0: Well, I want to also welcome you uh, this morning, those who are here at our 930 Cornerstone service, as well as those uh, uh, attending our cafe service upstairs and uh, all those worshiping online today. Uh, If we have not met, my name is David. Um, I serve as a senior pastor here. If you are a first-time guest with us, you've already heard a little bit about the life and mission of our church. You've seen that. But I want to lift up something uh, that if you didn't get one on the way in, you can pick up one uh, on the way out, uh, a a magazine of all the different uh, opportunities. opportunities that we have in the life of our church, and even if you are a regular around here, I want to encourage you to look through this. You will learn something new about what your church does uh, to live out our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world. And here's how I know that's true, uh, because as the senior pastor, when I look through this, I learn new things about what we do as a church family uh, because of how dynamic uh, and and wonderful the many expressions uh, of that ministry is, and So, I want to encourage you to, again, pick that up if you have not done so already. If you brought your Bible with you today, I want to encourage you to open that to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, uh, we have blue Bibles in all of our worship spaces, uh, and you can find Matthew 7 on page 1510 uh, in those blue Bibles that we have available uh, for you. Uh, Today, we are bringing to a close uh, a series that we started four weeks ago uh, called Be Brave. And, And in the first week, I noted uh, that the intended outcome of this series was obvious. It was very clear that what we wanted to do was to challenge ourselves to live more brave and courageous lives. Uh, But I also said in that first week, if you were here, you heard me say uh, that my assumption going into it is that if at the end of that four weeks, all you heard were those two words, be brave, that nothing in your life was gonna be different. Uh, and here's why, uh, I believe that we all share the conviction that a brave life is a meaningful life. When we think about the words that we associate with that, when we think about courageous and bold and, and living an audacious uh, life, uh, uh, a uh, fearless life, that's what we all aspire to do. That, that's the kind of life that we all want to live, but the brave thing is also always the hard thing. And so all of us find ourselves at places in our life where we're faced with a challenge or circumstance, and we find ourselves shrinking back from that, stepping back from that, because we recognize the difficulty of what it is that we're facing. Uh, and we also think to ourselves that someone else will do what I am unwilling to do. Someone else will step in this gap. We think someone else is better qualified or equipped. They're the ones who need to do this. We, 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 we face that, 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 that circumstance and we think, well, I just got too much to lose. This is not for me. Or maybe we think this is something that needs, uh, someone needs to step here. Someone needs to do something about this. I just, I just don't want it to be me. And I want you to hear again that we've all been at that place before. We've all found ourselves shrinking back. We all perhaps look back at opportunities in our life that we've missed. And maybe even we look back with a significant amount of regret because we didn't realize what was at stake. We didn't realize why that moment really mattered. We've all been there. We've all been there because the brave thing is always the hard thing. So if I, if, if I could describe to you up front what I hope uh, to, to, we can all do together in this last message is, is I want us to reframe perhaps, rethink what we think of when, it, when we think about what it means to, to live a brave life. And, and we're going to do that by thinking about a specific group of people, celebrating them and honoring them, looking at their life and how they live out uh, their profession and their calling as we think about in all of our lives Uh, what it really does mean to live a brave life. And uh, I'm excited to have a a special guest, a close friend, a member of our our faith family to introduce uh, this uh, special community to you. So will you watch this video with me? When I think about people living a brave life, I cannot help but think about the educators in our community who are meeting the varied needs of our students with persistence, patience, and empathy. Nothing can take the place of a a child being taught that he or she has potential. If you look around and you talk to any successful adult, every one of them shares one consistent message. Somebody in their life mentored them, many of those men and women were, were coaches and teachers. If you have an adult who cares about you and someone who helps make the path a little bit easier or guides the path for you, you can do so much more. The thing that I really wanna communicate is we can help kids move forward. Makes me very proud of our school system and it makes me very proud of this community as you leave today, you can pick up a a stack of of prayer cards. We've done these for many years. uh, uh, Gifts for teachers, educators, administrators uh, in uh, in the Mansfield School District, Midlothian School District, and Kennedale School District. We have about 6,000 of these. On the back is a place where you can write a personal note and again, uh, a name, a work address uh, of someone who serves in in those three districts uh, is on that card. So we hope you'll pick that up. Again, we've done this uh, for many years. If you're here today and you are one of those servants, so I want you to know uh, that on our altars, uh, we have uh, these lanyards. We know teachers love lanyards, and so we wanted to give uh, this to you as our gift to you. Again, it's just a, a small token of our appreciation for what you do. Uh, they uh, the, These lanyards simply say, I believe in students, and so we'd love for you, again, to, to, to pick one of those up today, and at the end of our service today, uh, we're going to say a, a prayer of blessing over uh, all those who serve in our educational community, but all through. I want you to think about teachers. And again, that may not be what your profession is, but all of us have had teachers in our lives. So you know what that life is about. You know uh, what it means to to give yourself in in that particular way. I want you to think about teachers as we now listen to the words of of the one who I believe was the greatest teacher who ever lived, uh, near the end of what was perhaps the greatest teaching. Uh, that he ever shared. These are the words of Jesus. And again, I'm going to read to you in just a moment from the end of that, but I just want to remind you of some of the highlights of this section of teaching that we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes all the way to the end of Matthew chapter 7. And it's here that we find Jesus begins with words of blessing, the Beatitudes, a blessing over individuals who wouldn't expect to be Uh, be, be seen as those who are blessed. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. It's here in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And like a lamp, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's here that Jesus talks about not only loving your neighbor, but also loving your enemies and praying for them, praying for those who persecute you. He, he says that here in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, uh, he talks about, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about prayer, but he doesn't just talk about prayer, he actually provides a model for prayer. And, and it's a model that, uh, that you know, or at the very least you heard just a moment ago, we, we pray it in all of our services, we call it the Lord's Prayer. That's here in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's here in the Sermon on the Mount where, where he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin, uh, destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It's here he says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Can any one of you… By worrying at a single hour to your life, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, and each day has enough trouble of its own. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and, and you will find, knock and the door, will be open to you, and everything that you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. But as he moves to the close, I want you to, again, uh, just point out uh, two sections of that. First, uh, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And then the final image uh, that Jesus provides in in this uh, teaching, uh, verses 24 through 27, he says, therefore, everyone But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And that's where this teaching ends. So there's a few images that Jesus uh, offers here. He talks about a small gate, a small gate and a narrow road that leads to life, a life that in another section of the gospel he describes as a life to the full, the kind of life we're all aspiring to live and to have through the small grave and through the, the narrow road, he says. And then at the end, he talks about those who hear and put into practice and what that means, that that's building your house on, on solid rock, but those who hear and don't put it into practice are those who are building their life on, on, on shifting sand. And again, the greatest teacher who ever lived and perhaps the greatest teaching that he ever shared is saying something incredibly significant about the real measure of any teacher. And it isn't about the presentation. It isn't about how dynamic and engaging that might be. What Jesus is expressing as he brings this teaching to a close is that the real measure of any teacher is again, not the presentation, But it's what the student does with the lesson that has been shared. The ambition of every great teacher is far beyond simply being heard. The ambition of every great teacher is that a lesson would be applied. And as a result, a life would be forever changed. Now, why is that important as we think about this in the context of bravery? Well, several months ago, when I started thinking about this series, I first just started with that word brave and and what does that word mean and thinking about what I associate with that word and and what comes to mind when I think about brave and I think about courage. and, And my mind went where many of your minds would also go. If you just spent some time thinking about that, I started thinking about incredibly brave acts that have occurred throughout human history that have changed the world forever, brave acts that we find in the scriptures that that change the trajectory uh, for the nation of Israel or or change uh, all all of human history, again, uh, for every day following. But then I also, because I'm a history buff and and thinking about things that are uh, closer to our time, I started thinking about the the brave moments, the brave acts uh, within American history that, again, have changed and shaped who we are and how we understand the American story, We celebrate and we remember the summer of 1776 and and the Declaration of Independence and and the adoption of that by the Second Continental Congress. We, We sometimes forget that the 56 men who signed that document were committing an act of treason as far as Britain was concerned. And it meant that their lives, they were putting their lives on the line in case this whole American experiment didn't turn out well. It's very easy for us when we think about bravery and brave acts to think about June 6, 1944 and the men who continued to storm the beaches of Normandy in the face of overwhelming enemy fire from behind heavily fortified positions. It's easy for us to think about August 1963 and the hundreds of thousands who marched on Washington advocating for civil rights and someone who stood up and shared a dream Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., uh, we sometimes forget that at that moment he was only 34 years old, addressing hundreds of thousands. And again, I could share with you more moments that we know they, they changed everything. And that's, that's part of why it's easy for us to identify those, because, because when we look back, we see, we really see what was at stake We really see everything that has happened as a result of those brave acts. But I also think that it's our understanding of those that makes us at times feel so inadequate. The challenges that we face in our life. So the more that I thought about it, this is is kind of what came to mind, is that we see bravery in extraordinary acts, but it's actually ordinary moments that define a brave life. It's the ordinary moments that we experience every single day that really define and shape what we would understand to be a brave life. Jesus might say it this way, it's really important that you find the small gate. The day that you take your first step down that narrow road, that is a big deal. But every day following that, you will have to decide whether you are going to take another step down that narrow road or turn around and head back to the broad path. And and Jesus might also say, hey, a foundation is really important. Where you choose to build, that's a big deal. Shifting sand or solid rock, make a good decision about where you're going to build your house, where you're going to build your life. But again, it's a house, it's a home, and that is something that is built brick by brick by brick by brick, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, year by year, ordinary moments. That over the course of time, that's really what defines A brave life, what it means to to, to be seen as someone who, who lives with courage, someone who refuses to give up, someone who continually denies the voice of discouragement that comes for us all. Someone who wakes up every day and says, I'm gonna take another step. I'm gonna put another brick in this house that I'm building, this life that I'm building brick by brick and step by step and moment by moment. A few months ago, I had an experience that was such a powerful reminder uh, of this for me. Some of you may know my dad is also a pastor. And uh, on July 1st, I had the chance to be at First United Methodist Church Red Oak where my dad uh, began his second season of, of serving as a senior pastor uh, for that church. Pretty rare for a Methodist pastor to return back to a church uh, that he or she had previously served. But my dad got to do that. And we moved to Red Oak when I was in second grade and we left after my freshman year in high school. So so for me, when I think about my home town where i grew up it's it's red oak texas that's that's home for me and so it was exciting to be there for my dad and, and, and but it was also exciting to take my family and to, to to take them to my hometown and after service to drive them around and say this is the house that i grew up in this is the street that i grew up in there's my elementary school my intermediate school here's where i, I went to junior high and of course i was a lot more excited about that than my kids were <laughs> okay dad whatever you know But we got there for the service that day and went sat down and kind of got settled and it was only a few moments later that somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around and she asked me this question, do you know who I am? Do you remember me? Which of course is the danger of going back to your hometown. Like, and it was a face that I knew. Uh, So my response was this. I said, I don't, but I know that I should. And she said, I'm Pat McAllister. And I know my face lit up and, uh, because I said, Mrs. McAllister. And I stood up and I gave her a hug and I turned to my kids and I said, kids, this is Mrs. McAllister. She was my third grade teacher. And my sweet 15-year-old daughter gave her a nice smile. And My 11-year-old son said, Hey kind of missed the significance of that moment, uh, he did. But we began to talk about our, our families, how's your family doing? You know, the, the thing that you would do was seeing someone after, after many decades. And then she asked me this question. She said, what do you remember from the third grade? Now, if you're an elementary school teacher, you think this story's gonna go bad at this point, right? <laughs> but here's what I immediately said. I said, I remember playing Tom Sawyer in the class play. And she said, I knew you'd say that. And she said, because that is a day that I will never forget. This is the point where I got a little bit confused because I did not remember that performance being that memorable. (laughs) But then she asked me this question. She said, do you know why you played Tom Sawyer? Do you know how that, do you remember how that happened? I said, well, I guess, I guess I don't. And she said, well, on the day of the play, you you weren't actually supposed to play that part. There was another boy that was supposed to be Tom Sawyer, but he was sick that day. So he wasn't at school. We'd already sent notes home to parents. Hey, come, we're going to have the class play, and then we're going to have a party afterwards. So I I had all these parents coming for Tom Sawyer, and we did not have a Tom Sawyer. And she said, you came up to my desk, and you said, Mrs. McAllister, I can play Tom Sawyer. And she said, I thought to myself, you know, we've we read the, the, the play in class, but, but for the ones who were playing the lead part, she'd been working with them and practicing their lines and helping them, then memorize. And so she said to me, she said, there's a lot of lines in, in that part, are, are, are you sure? And I said, yes, Mrs. McAllister, I know, I know all the lines. She said, okay, here we go. And parents showed up and we, we went through the play and she said, at the end of that play, you knew and remembered every word in a part that you were never supposed to play. Now, I didn't remember that. that. That part of the story, how that all happened, I didn't remember that at all. But when she asked me what my first memory of third grade was, it was, it was that day. It was playing Tom Sawyer in the class play. It wasn't my other memory of third grade. There's two. My other memory of third grade was that in third grade, I was put in this program or something called Gifted and Talented. And it was kind of cool because at lunchtime, you got to take your lunch back to the classroom. I don't know why that was so amazing, but it was. I remember that I was put in Gifted and Talented and I was there for a couple weeks and then one week came and I wasn't in Gifted and Talented anymore. (laughs) And I have no idea why that happened. It could very well be my fault. I mean, something that I did, like get this kid out of here with no, I don't know what it was, but I remember that one week I was in and one week I was out. And of course, I didn't say that first because I don't know if Mrs. McAllister said, You got the wrong kid, pull him out of there. I don't know. (laughs) But she tells me this story. She reminds me of a part of my story that I had totally forgotten. And I start putting the pieces together. And I don't know why she let me do it. Maybe it was out of total desperation. We need a Tom Sawyer. But she believed in me that day. And she gave me a chance. And I couldn't help but wonder if maybe the reason that she did is she knew that he used to be gifted and talented, and then one day he wasn't. And it's because of Mrs. McAllister that I have two memories of third grade instead of one. Because she, she believed in me. And she let me do something that for some reason I thought I could do. And in that moment, hearing that story of that day, which I had forgotten, almost 35 years later, I realized why I've never forgotten playing Tom Sawyer in the class play. I had forgotten what the meaning of that moment was, what the significance of that moment was. But Mrs. McAllister reminded me of that, that that's the reason I've carried that with me all these years. That's the real significance because that was a day that changed my life. But it was just an ordinary moment for a teacher who was seeking to be a blessing to the students in our classroom. We build our lives brick by brick and step by step and moment by moment. That's true for me, that's true for you, that's true for all of us, but we know that it is especially true for all of those who serve as educators in our community in any capacity who are investing in the lives of students, who are dreaming big dreams for them, who are believing in them before they even believe in themselves, who are enabling them and helping them to aspire to be something that they may have never dreamed they could become. And so today as we finish this series, as we think about what it means for each and every one of us to live a brave life, we wanna say a special prayer for all of those who serve our community in this special way. So here in our sanctuary space, upstairs in the cafe, or even if you're watching online, if you serve uh, in in our educational community, I wanna invite you to stand. Uh, Whether it's in the districts that I just mentioned or in in another school, someone always has to be the first person to stand by the way. So someone please stand, there we go. Um, And as you, as you remain standing, if you're, if you're retired, but that's something that you have, that is your profession, that's what you invested your life in, would you please stand with these uh, actively serving uh, teachers and… And now, just so, just so you don't feel alone, if, you, if your life has been blessed by a teacher, would you please stand uh, with uh, all these uh, who serve in this special way as we say a prayer of blessing uh, over each of these servants. Will you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we honor and we celebrate today those whom in your wisdom and by the work of your Holy Spirit you have called into the great work of investing in the lives of others. For each and every servant, for teachers and coaches, for administrators and support staff, for nurses and counselors, police officers, all those who serve and sacrifice to support each student, we lift to you today our thanks and our praise. And it is out of the depth of our gratitude that we pray for you to bless each of them as we begin a new school year I pray, Lord, that in each day to come, you will grant them the gift of persistence, that you will continually affirm their patient and consistent direction and care, that you, Lord, will guard and protect them from any discouragement that may come, and that each day they would know that in their sacred work, they are investing in a future that they may never see, but one that is only made possible by their sacrifice and their willingness to serve. And as each day passes, Lord, I pray that they will feel our appreciation, they will receive the support they need and that they may be continually uplifted by the knowledge that they will remain in our prayers. May you bless them this day. May you bless them every day in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.